Good to see everybody. Are you ready to be different? Do you want to be different? Are you interested in trying a different service? Because this one's pretty full, and I just want to remind you which service every Sunday morning is the greatest of all services. It is the 8 a.m., and I actually hesitate to mention it. I hesitate to mention it because I don't know, I don't think that all of you are ready for the sophistication and the impromptu nature of the 8 a.m. service. And so it's not for all of you, but for some of you who are courageous and awesome enough, the 8 a.m. service could be a great fit for you and your family and all of your friends. So I just want to remind you that it does exist and there is plenty of room there. Okay, so we are starting a new series this morning, excited about, and this is what it is. It looks like this. It's a triangle. For those of you who uh, did Greek letters in school, college, or whatever, do you remember what a tri what letter, what Greek letter a triangle is? Delta, right, it's the fourth letter in the Greek alphabet representing the letter D, similar to our letter D in math and science. This letter has been used for a long time to represent change, that we talk about delta T, which means change in time, or delta F, change in force. Delta X means a change in, in, in the value of X. And so some of you uh, uh, math and science people are, are all, you know, I have your attention so far as we get started here. It, has always, it means this delta thing. We are talking about change. We're talking about the reality of, of, of moving from this to that, that we are created to, to, to move from where we are to where we could be. And so we're going to talk about change over, we're going to talk about growth and change over these, over these next 16 weeks. But for the next three weeks, we're going to talk about specifically the whole idea of Delta, inviting God to come in our lives and change something, change parts of our lives. We're open to this. We're excited about this as here as we start 2020. Many of us participate in New Year's resolutions, plans to change how we eat, how we look, etc. And so on often uh, when we do those kinds of things, we take before and after pictures because it's the delta. It's the delta from before to after. Have you ever noticed that the before pictures are rarely uh, smiling? You ever notice that, you know, the before pictures, they never go, you know, they never show that. They're always kind of frowning. And then the after pictures, they're never frowning. You know, you, know, you, you never see the guy with the huge muscles going, you know, like, I, that was a waste of time. I mean, he's going, yeah, check it out. Uh, and so the, uh, the before and after pictures, my wife and I, we, we actually did a before and after picture a number of years ago uh, when we were on a journey to try to uh, make some changes in our lives. And, and what happened was that we took the pictures, and they were for our own private use only. Uh, but my wife, just like all of us, we have our computers in an open area in, in the living room, and, uh, and her screensaver would just grab random photos from the file of photos. And so this picture would show up, usually when there were company over at the house, people would be there talking, having snacks or whatever, and then there's be a picture of one of us that shows up. You know, it's just kind of, well, that's a, why'd you keep that picture? You know, so we, we delete, no, I'm not going to show you those pictures. Enough people saw them already. Okay, so I know, I'll, yeah, the, but just imagine it looks like this. Okay, so 
So, but but we, we took the before pictures, but we never took the after pictures. Huh. Go figure. The before picture is the easy one. It's the, it's the after picture that costs you something. It's the after picture that takes the work. And so we're talking about are we willing to do the work that it takes to become the men and women that we want to be, that God has designed us to be? Are we willing to do what it takes to, to do the change, to experience delta in our lives? Or are we going to continue to be like Arthur Fonzarelli and get to the mirror, pull the comb out, and go, as in, I look in the mirror, everything's good, I don't need to change anything, it's all just perfect. Are we willing to delta? Would you bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray with you. Father in heaven, I thank you um, once again that we get to come into this place, set aside this time uh, for, for you. You know the kind of change that you want to do in, in our lives, and so I'm thankful that you care about us enough to uniquely want to touch us, speak to us. Father, I pray you would do that or in this next half hour. That for any of us here who just kind of uh, perhaps feel like they, they've just heard it all, they've heard a thousand different messages, God, God, would you, would you speak to us? You speak to us today about the changes you want to make in our lives. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. We want to look uh, this morning at a few verses written by a guy named Peter. He was one of the original disciples of Jesus. He was a pretty aggressive, courageous guy. He's the one who actually climbed out of the boat and took a few steps walking on water when Jesus invited the disciples to do so. He was the only one courageous enough to do that. Peter's the guy who... Uh, 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 during the Last Supper, uh, he's the one who said, who said, no, Jesus, you cannot wash my feet. I will not let you wash my feet. Peter is the one who had to live with the guilt of denying that he knew Jesus three times on that horrible night when Jesus was tortured. So, Peter had an incredible intimacy with Jesus and an incredible knowledge and awareness of who Jesus was and the teachings, etc. And he wrote just a few short books near the end of the New Testament. I invite you to open to uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 if you have your Bibles um, here this morning. In 1 Peter chapter 1, Peter the disciple says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober... In other words, let's, let's, this isn't some kind of wishy-washy, kind of touchy-feely thing. This is, let's engage our brains with this. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. The theme for this next 16 weeks is growth. As I talked about last week when we launched this, when we introduced this, that that grace is free. Peter talks about set your hope on the grace. Grace is free. It doesn't cost us anything. And it is amazing. It is truly amazing. But growth is not free. Growth costs us something. If we want to change, if we want to experience delta in our lives, it is going to cost us something. Peter continues, as obedient children, 
Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So there's a movement of, the, of these kids moving from ignorance into something more knowledgeable. There, there is this theme of growth here. Paul, or Peter, refers to, 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 the, to the people of God as obedient children. In the Old Testament, they're often referred to as the people of God. We today might refer to ourselves as followers of Jesus. Whatever this language is, there's, there's a consistency that we are children. Peter refers to us as, as obedient children under the love and the guidance of our Father in heaven. We are children, and children are always growing. Children are growing. It might be helpful for you to, in fact, see the whole story of Scripture as a story of growth. If you have your journals, I invite you to, to pull them out and turn to page 8 and 9. Pages 8 and 9 have a list of the seven parts of the story that we're looking at consistently over all of these journeys, that the whole story is broken up into seven different pieces. The first four pieces, this, is, this kind of represents pages 8 and 9 in your journal. The first four pieces are, are the, the story of Scripture. The first two are the Old Testament. And again, it might be helpful to see the whole thing as a story of growth. In the foundation story, which represents the first half of the Old Testament, it's the children of God. And as we talked about in fall of last year, that as a part of this foundation story, God had to start somewhere with his children. He's a loving father, so he had to provide some boundaries, some guidelines. So he provided the Ten Commandments and hundreds of other laws for his children to have some, some kind of clarity in terms of, of what it means to grow and make good decisions. So he starts in the foundation area. They're really like children. As we move to the exile, which represents the second half of the Old Testament, it's like, it's like the people of God are now teenagers, and because they become rebellious teenagers, they're given more freedom now. And God says to them, through the prophets, all of the prophets that we read in the Old Testament, God says to them, says, I'm giving you freedom, but if you, if you continue to make poor decisions, I will kick you out of the house. And so what happens is eventually they do not listen. The people of God do not listen to the prophets and they actually get kicked out of the land that they were promised. They get kicked out of Jerusalem, kicked out of that part of the world and have to go to Babylonia, etc. That's the story in the exile. Then we go into part three, into the New Testament, the story of the Messiah. That's the story of Jesus that we find in the Gospels. And here it's like the people of God are now adults because they, we, have to make a decision in terms of who Jesus is. And it's the most important decision we could possibly make in life. We have to decide at some point, uh, we have to make an adult decision, is Jesus actually a lunatic for saying the things that he said? He claimed to be God. Was he just a, 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 an interesting man who did some did some miracles, but was a lunatic because he called himself God? Or is he, is he actually the Lord? We have, to, we have to make that decision for ourselves. It's no longer our parents' decision, our family decision. We are a family of Christians. No, it's your decision. Do you embrace Jesus as your Lord? This is an adult decision. 
And then when you look at part four, the revolution, it represents the second half of the New Testament. It's the story of the followers of Jesus after Jesus ascended into heaven. And they realize that this whole story is not just about them. They're they're maturing adults realizing this is not just about them. They need to take this story to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the earth as they expand this story along. It might be helpful to view the whole story of Scripture as a story of growth from children to teenagers to adults to maturing adults. Again, the question that we see throughout Scripture, the question we can ask ourselves here this morning, are we open to a delta in our lives? Are we willing to make changes in our lives? I think one of the reasons that that Peter uses this phrase, as obedient children. Once again, is that children are growing. It's easy to see growth in children. It's just, if you're a teacher, you get to see this every year. You get to see the difference between August and May. Every year between, hopefully, you know, most of the kids, they make significant changes. It's easy to see change, to see growth in children. I remember when my daughter was four years old. This was 10 years ago. And she was sick. And she was throwing up in our main guest bathroom. Poor thing was, was hovered over the toilet and mom was, was rubbing her back and loving on her and getting her hair out of the way. You know, the whole scene and just taking care of her. At the same time, her older brother, Martin, two years older than her, was outside playing basketball by himself. And he's the kind of kid who, who doesn't want to stop the fun that he's doing even if he has to go to the bathroom. So he's that kind of kid, he's just so focused, he's just gonna go, 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 go. So he's out there, and he was going until he could make a three-point shot. But, but his, his body was saying he had to take care of some other business. And so he was doing, he was doing the wiggle, you know, he's doing the wiggles for the shot, trying to do the shot, doing the wiggles, and, 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 and eventually he ran out of wiggle room if you will. So he's, he's just getting, he's just timing it, pushing it, pushing it, but he's pushing himself. He's not going to leave until he gets the shot. Boom, makes a three-point shot, runs into the house. He's got his pants down to his ankles. By the time he gets through the front door, he's heading towards the main guest bathroom. He gets in there and he says, I got to pee. And he's, you know, pants down to his ankles, ready to go. And mom says, no, you can't pee here. You got to go somewhere else. He says, you don't understand. I got to pee. And then he starts peeing on his sister. He's in the bathroom, and he's peeing near the toilet. And, and so, so, so Lila is now throwing up and screaming because her brother is peeing on top of him. M- uh, Martin is a little bit astonished by the scene, but quite relieved. And, and mom is just laughing her head off because it's just so out of control. If you do not yet have kids, this is what you get to look forward to. It's, it's the joy of watching kids grow up. It's wa- watching them change. My, my son is now 16 years old, and he never pees on his sister anymore. It's, it's the joy of watching your kids grow up. With kids, it's easy to see growth. It's just natural. You see it all the time. Pictures and videos, oh, it's so great to see growth. But it's way harder to see growth in adults. It's way harder to see the difference year over year for most of us as adults. 
There's something, that's, it's almost like when we stop getting taller, we feel like we stop, we stop growing. When we stop physically growing, we feel like, I don't really need to learn anything anymore. I'm 20 years old. I've got it all figured out. So maybe there's some area of our lives where we're growing, but we've got other areas that we've identified maybe years ago, and we just say, yeah, there's, not, there's no growth that's going to happen over there. That is, that is a dead garden. Maybe, maybe we don't want to grow. Maybe we've, we've tried and, and we've just given up on it. We can't figure out how to experience growth in that area. And so how do we proceed? What, what do we do? It's hard to experience growth as an adult because what happens is we, we get pretty sophisticated at hiding those areas that need growth. And we know how to cover them up, mask them, put makeup on them, take care of areas so that no one can see that that's an area that needs growth for us. It's hard to see growth. It's harder to experience growth in adults. You know, most kids have a loving adult in their lives who, say, who knock on the door and say things like, hey, what are you doing in there right now? But adults don't have that. Most kids have a loving adult in their life who says, you know what? probably ought to set your phone down. Just give yourself a break from being on your phone. But we adults, we don't have that. Most kids have a loving adult in their lives who who say, you need to go back and apologize. Go back. Come on. Most of us adults, we need that sometimes, but we don't have that in our lives. So what do we have? If we're on a journey towards change, delta, some kind of making a difference in our lives, what what do we have? We have a mandate from our Father in heaven as obedient children to continue to pursue change, to continue to pursue what Peter refers to as holiness. He continues in the next verses. He says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. The word holy literally means to be set apart. It's a holy place. That means it is a place that is set apart. It's a holy time. It's a time that is set apart. So if we are to be holy, we are to be set apart. We are to be noticeably different while we're in the world. We are noticeably different from the world around us. Is it possible for us, Peter talks about being holy in all that you do. Is it possible for us to be as holy as God? God is perfectly holy. Is it possible for us to be that holy? Let me just tell you, the answer is no. No, we cannot, and that's the point. The point is that our pursuit of holiness is a never-ending journey. That it doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, how many books you've read, how many church services you've been to, how many years you've been a follower of Jesus. It is an ongoing, never-ending journey no matter what your stage of life or age. 
There's always something for us to pursue, for us to go after. There's always growth. There's easy to see growth within children, of course. But then there's plenty of growth after that. When I was in my 20s, that's the first time I had a real paycheck. And I had to grow in terms of figuring out how to handle money, how to handle actual money and buy an actual house and figure out how to, how to deal with larger, you know, with actual paychecks. That's the year that I got, that's the decade that I got married. I had to figure out what it meant to be a husband. In my 30s, I had to figure out how to be a dad. I just felt way, way too young to be a dad. I mean, with my, with my first little kid, I just kept on thinking, I can't believe God is trusting me with this. And many people who knew me were saying the exact same thing. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I had to learn how to protect, you know, kids from getting peed on by their siblings and all of that stuff. I'm in my 40s now, and, and my eyesight is going. I have to wear glasses for the first time in my life, and my ears are going, and so I have to figure out how to, how to do all that. God only knows what's going to happen in 50s, 60s, 70s. Man, I feel like I'm, um, you know, I was late on the, or now I'm early on the curve. It's like the whole thing is happening really fast for me. But God only knows what this journey is. But it is a journey that where we continue to grow, continue to grow. When we stop, when we stop reading, when, when we stop reading to, to learn new ideas, when we stop trying new things, that's a problem. That, that's, that's a problem. The, the, the engine that doesn't move is the engine that seizes up. I don't care how powerful, how amazing that engine is. It's got to move. So whatever stage you're at, you've, you've got to keep trying. You've got to p- keep uh, trying new things. This year, my, uh, my son got a unicycle for Christmas. Thank you. This... This is Martin's unicycle. And so he's learning how to, how to ride this thing. Have you ever tried to ride one of these things? It's, it's incredibly unstable. And so my son is learning how to, and I figured, well, I'm, I'm going to learn too. So I'm learning how to ride the unicycle, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you, I'm going to give it a shot here. Are you out of your mind? I'm not going to do this. There's no... <laughs> You've got to be kidding. Some of you pulled out your phones and go, oh, I'm going I'm to capture this. But I tell you, I can't do it yet, but I'm trying. I'm outside. Uh, my father-in-law, you've seen me try in the backyard. Every once in a while, I'm outside kind of giving it a shot. I got 16 weeks. I'm going to try to get that thing ready so I can ride across the stage here in 16 weeks, okay? See, life, life is about an ongoing pursuit. Am I willing to learn? Am I willing to change? Am I willing to try new things? Peter says, be holy. That is a never-ending, ongoing journey. Be holy. But why? See, we humans, we need to know why. We don't go very far unless we have clarity on the why. Take, for example, learning a second language. Here in the United States, it's an interesting thing to learn a second language. Many of you here have a second language. Some of you here have a second language. It's, in the United States, it's interesting. It, 
might be helpful for getting a job or advancing in your job. It might be helpful for, for impressing the ladies if you got a second language. Voulez-vous uh, jouer au hockey avec moi ce soir? Huh? <laughs> you know, that, that has never impressed anybody, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but in almost every other country in the world, they know two, three, or more languages because they have to. So they do. There's just, their why has tremendous clarity, so they take care of it. It's different in the United States in terms of learning other languages. We humans, we have to know why. When we lack clarity on why, we have a hard time kind of following through or finishing up or, or, or experiencing that actual delta. Why be holy? Peter says, be holy because I am holy. He's, he's quoting God from the Old Testament. God says, be holy because I am holy. Pursue holiness because I am holy. First of all, this is good parenting. He is our Father in heaven. This is good parenting. Okay, so when you... You know, when you say to your kids, you say, son, daughter, you say, be kind, be thoughtful, be generous, be courageous, because I am kind and thoughtful and courageous and generous. And, and, and if I'm not some of those things that I'm trying to pass on to you, then I'm at least willing to grow in those areas. Most of us have learned that the whole journey of do as I say, not as I do, is not effective parenting. That a good parent says, I'm doing this stuff as well. I'm, I'm pouring this into you, but I'm also trying to get delta in my own life in those areas as well. This is good parenting. And, and, and our Father in heaven says, I, I, I'm asking you to be something that I am. Be holy because I am holy. If you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus... If people know you as a follower of Jesus, if people know that you have been following Jesus for 20 years, then you represent 20 years of Christ working in your life. You represent Jesus. And you and I, we want to represent Christ well. We don't want to do as the 20th century theologian, John Bon Jovi said, you give love a bad name, okay? So he, he says, we don't want to give Christ a bad name, okay? We, do, we, don't, we represent Christ wherever we go. So be holy because he is holy. Now, this whole journey is about pursuing holiness. It's about, it's about uh, pursuing growth, pursuing change. We're going to be talking about different ways of growth over the next 16 weeks. But the way I want to start here today as we uh, head into this, this three-week series on Delta is I just want to ask, are you willing to change? No matter how successful you are, no matter how great you might feel about yourself, are you willing to surrender every area of your life to the transforming power of Jesus? Are you willing to change? Are you willing to experience delta in your life? Holiness is delta. It's being noticeably different 
because of your faith? Are you willing to be noticeably different than the world, than than what everyone else is doing, noticeably different than what Hollywood says is true and right, noticeably different from what Washington, D.C. says is true and right, noticeably different from people in your neighborhood, people at your workplace, people in your extended family, in any way that, that those groups are not representing Christ well, are you willing and interested in being noticeably different in a way that reflects Christ well? Are you willing to be noticeably different than the world? And then secondly, are you willing to be noticeably different than yourself? That, that, that a follower of Jesus is someone who's not okay with brokenness in our lives. Let me be clear about this. Church has always been and will continue to be a, a gathering place of broken people. We're not a gathering place of perfect people. That's not what we come here for. You don't have to get fixed before you come. We come here to figure that stuff out together. But it doesn't mean we're okay with our brokenness. It just means we admit it and then we say, I want a delta in that part of my life. We don't have to have it all figured out. We don't have to fix everything over the next 16 weeks. There might be some areas of your life where the Holy Spirit wants to really make a delta in your life in 2021 or maybe in 2030. That's the timing that God has for you in terms of some area of your life. What we don't want to do, though, is get through 2020 with zero delta. What we don't want to do is get through any year, any season, and be okay with zero delta. Because an engine that isn't running seizes up. So let me close with two just very clear ways that you can experience growth. Just two very clear, not necessarily simple, but clear ways that you can experience growth as you get started on this journey here in 2020 here at Mount Park. One is group up. What Dwayne was talking about, that as you leave these doors, there'll be opportunities for you to investigate and find out groups that are available. It is an incredibly powerful thing to team up with others on the pursuit of holiness. We can go so much further when we go together. We gather with other people, and it is an, an incredibly effective way to experience growth. The second clear, if not easy way, is to regularly, consistently read your Bible. This gift that God has given us that so many of us here in the room say, yeah, parts of it I understand and so much of it I'm intimidated by. To pick it up and read it. Well, I'm excited to let you know that um, if you have your journal, Go to page 12 and 13. We have a new uh, page here in this journal that we didn't have before. It is a Bible reading plan, and it is very doable. See, this, we didn't have this in the previous journal, which means it's new and improved. It's changed. There's been a delta on the journal process, okay? So we now have a Bible reading plan. It's simple. It's just two, about two chapters a day, five days a week. Very doable, and over a three-year journey, I know that's a long time, but over a three-year journey, you can read through the whole Bible with this Bible reading plan. You can do that. Right now, you're only one week behind, and you can catch up 
No problem. You can do it. The question is, are we willing? We're not going to change if we're not willing. We may have hopes to learn a language, to ride a unicycle, whatever. Hopes to do things. But none of that's going to happen unless we start with a willingness to change, a willingness to, to experience, to be noticeably different in our lives, to experience a delta because of our faith in Jesus. Before I let you go, would you bow your heads with me? I'd love to pray with you. Father in heaven, once again, I, I, ju I just want to thank you for your grace. Just as a reminder as we sit here, we, we need to do nothing to experience your love and your grace. It is free, it is here, it is available, it is amazing, and we are thankful for it here today. But God, as, as we grow in our relationship with you, we acknowledge that you invite us to change, to grow, to expand, to try new things. So, Father, would you give us the courage to do that? Would you give us clarity to identify something in our lives over these next 16 weeks that you want to do in and through us, and we surrender that to you, excited about what you will do because you love us like a perfect parent. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.